Bar Media. Welcome to another episode of the Local Podcast, a podcast about all things local, brought to you by the Wiregrass Local and Bar Media. Every time it's going to be a discussion on how a waveform gets produced. <laughs> oh, man. Pete, how's it going on, dude? What's Good. Going on? What's going Good. on? How's it going? Four days left. Four days left in Dothan. Ah, that's crazy. Yeah. Movers come on Wednesday. We'll pack the rest of the stuff up on Thursday and then throw it in the truck on. Yeah, like mostly it's like the fish tank and some art that we're going to throw in the truck on. Uh, yeah. Um, or in the U-Haul trailer. You're going to leave the fish in the tank? No, we're going to put them in plastic bags in a five-gallon bucket. All right. And then probably leave just enough water in the tank so that, like, it won't Nothing shock them gross. too much when yeah. we put it back in. Um, but, you know, that's that's going to be one of those things that, like, we, we move it on Friday and we set it up on Friday. Yeah. So, because we're not just going to leave the poor fish, like, sitting in a Home Depot bucket. No. You know. At least they're all acquainted with each other. One's not going to become food for the other. Yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, they might. And and the shock may still kill you know some of the fish. Sure. We don't know. I, I've never moved a fish tank in my life, so this will be... Me neither. I don't... You ever watch those aquarium shows on, like, whatever channel? Nah. They uh, do these crazy over-the-top aquarium builds in these people's homes? Yeah. Um, those don't get moved, I don't think, though. No, uh-uh. No, that stays... Uh, that would have to stay. But, like, if you decided to move, I think you'd have to have a different setup. Sure. Uh, but there again, you know, you'd put the fish in bags and, you know, climate control, you know, temperature control mm-hmm. them and then move them to the new place. We're, the, the temperature control that we're going to use is going to be, they're going to be in the car with us, yeah. which is about the temperature of the water. So, hopefully they'll be fine, but yeah. we're just going to cross our fingers. And if we if we get to Louisiana and there's, you know, five dead fish, then... We'll get some new fish. Yeah. Just you reuse names or you just uh The only one that really has a name is the uh one of the two angel fish that we have left. Mm-hmm. Um and we named them Crab and Goyle for the All right. Um for the uh, Harry Potter characters. Yeah. So those are the only two that have names. Everything else is just like the red tetra, yeah. the neon tetra, the pink tetra, the you know. I had black mollies when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then I had a bunch of them. Because one of them was male and one of them was female. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize this, but they eat their young. Yeah. Yeah. Fish are vicious out there. Fish are. I don't, I guess, uh, I guess when your food comes from literally anything that lands in the water. Yeah. You just assume like, oh, that must have fell out of something else. Yeah. I'm going to eat that now. Yeah. Gross. Stop eating your young fish. It's uh. <laughs> It's not how you sustain a population. It is not. But sometimes it is. It's a good way to, you know, only the fast ones get away. Well, yeah. So. Only the strong survive. That's right. Um, Welcome back to The Cloth and the Sloth. It's good to be back on The Cloth and the Sloth. Oh, man, I'm going to miss doing this, actually, now that we've been rocking and rolling for two weeks in a row. Yeah, we can can make it a monthly thing. We can zoom it up. Yeah. Um, This week on The Cloth and the Sloth, uh, I went to a service of yours yesterday. Um. It was very lonely, but well, I also sat completely in a different room. I mean, you did sit room. away from everybody else in the <laughs> chapel. Like, yeah, everybody else is in the main part of the church, and you were sitting, like, off in the chapel. And I told you you didn't have to, but I also told you you could. Yeah, so. I didn't really, I didn't know if I needed to be over in that broom closet 
just to make sure if anything went wrong, I could try to put the fire out. Nah, dude. But I guess it's just set it and forget it. That's that's how we set it up. That's the way to do it. Set it and forget it. I mean, that's the best way to do it. You don't have to stress about stuff. And yeah, and you don't have to have somebody manning the control booth the whole time. Yeah, and then if something goes wrong, you don't have to like get mad at the person for not manning the control booth. You just kind of okay. Well, that's that's not our primary form of communication, so we'll we'll make do with what we can. Sure. You know, I've I've had a couple of Sundays since the pandemic started where. I lost something in the recording. Mm-hmm. Like one morning I came out and I started the GoPro, I thought, except what I did was take a picture. Oh, nice. Instead of start the video. Mm-hmm. And so I went through the whole thing and I'm like, all I have is this one camera angle and the congregational responses, the hymns don't sound very good. So mm-hmm. the sermon, that's what's going to go up yep. for, from this Sunday. And that's it. And that's enough. Yeah. So that makes sense I mean, again because it's not our it's not our primary form of of worship. So you're in the people business, not the computer business. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was a very very enjoyable service. It was more. Um, my takeaway was go somewhere, change it for the better, be excited about the way you've left it, and I feel like you've done a great job over there. I feel like the it's a better place than I left it. When I was first getting started in youth ministry, like 23 years ago, um, there was a friend of mine who took another call to a church, mm-hmm. and I used to stop by his house on, on the regular, and we'd go for walks and talk about things, and, and I was really upset that he was leaving, and he said, you know, about all you can do is hope to leave a place better than you found it. Yep. And sometimes you can do that, and sometimes you can't. Sure. And that may be you, it may not be you, mm-hmm. but that's what you try to do, and that's what I tried to do, and I hope, I hope it is. Yeah. You know, it's it's certainly different. You know, in eight years, we've turned over probably a third of the congregation from mm-hmm. people dying and and new members coming in, and and then you have you know we get we get a fair number of military families who'll come in. And they're there for a little while, yeah. and then they're gone. Um, and they're great to have in the church while they're there. I love the families that we've had. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian and Carrie May, and the uh, um, Tom and Jill Barrett, and Hannah and JD Sims. There's all kinds of different folks. The Van Meters, and this, this one family was like it was a blended family, and they'd each come into the marriage with three kids. Oh, and so like they were. They were six in the youth group. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the youth group was only like 15. Oh, so they made up half so, of them. <laughs> so when they left, it's like, oh, man, we lost two-thirds of the youth group. Right. Um, but, you know, the great military families that have come through, and we've been blessed by them and happy to have them. But, you know, they come and they go. Yeah. And, you know, the church, is, the church is younger than it was. It's, um, Which is, I mean, it's kind of what you want. Like, obviously, you want anybody and everybody to feel welcome and be Absolutely. able to interact and yeah. have a home there. Um, but from my experience, both in the church and just out in the world, um, a lot of times your younger folks are the ones that are more feisty. They're a little more gung ho and a little more boots on the ground than a lot of the older, a little more dry congregation. Well, and you know, I mean, if you have a congregation whose average age is 80 and you replace a lot of it with 60 year olds, that's great. Sure. You know, if you replace some of it with 60-year-olds and some of it with, you know, 
30 year olds mm-hmm. and some of it with 50 year olds, then you've got a broader swath of the population sure. and you reach more people that way. Mm-hmm. And you also, what I've found over the course of my years is that when young people are in the church, the old people feel a new level of excitement for the future. Yeah. Right. So, cause you can look around the congregation in some congregations, you can look around the congregation and you're like, okay, well, you know, when, when that person dies, that's it. That's the end of us because yeah. that's the youngest person in here and they happen to be 63. Sure. Which is a lot of congregations. It is, sadly. And, you know, you can do something about that. Sometimes you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, like down in the villages in Florida, man, you know, if, if you've got a whole bunch of 63-year-olds, you got a young congregation. Oh, yeah. Because there are no young people no, in the villages. not at all. But, you know, when you're when you're in a place that does have young people... If you're not reaching those folks, then you're you're missing out on on having that part of the life of the community in your church. Yeah. So it's yeah. only it's almost like having boys in a family. Like if you have boys, your family name will continue. Yeah. But if you don't, yeah, then that's gonna be the end of it. Except now, you know, some women keep their last name. So well, yeah. You know, I that. mean, mine mine's case in point. Heathen. You know. I tell you, the funny thing about that, though, when we had both of our children, one mm-hmm. of whom we had in Tennessee and one of whom we had here, yeah, the folks from the birth certificate, you know, or you know, a nurse or somebody, when they asked my wife her name mm-hmm. and she gave them a name that wasn't my name, Uh-oh. one of them assumptions. tried to convince her, one of them tried to convince her that when she got married, her name changed whether she wanted it to or not. Weird. And the other one was trying to convince her that, you know, that she couldn't be, you know, that she couldn't have kept her last name, that it wasn't legal for a woman to keep her last name. Oh, wow. And you've met my bride. She, she didn't go for that. No, at all. she's, she's always ready for, a, yeah. um, for a friendly debate. Yeah. So now she can, she can carry on, you know, her family's name if she really wants to. Yeah. So she just switch JP's name to hmm? JP Hulesbeck. Sure. Good. I, f- I feel like you guys drew the short straw when it comes to last names. Wong. Wong is, you know, when we talk about last names in the South and how yeah. easy it is to get yeah. teased for having mm-hmm. goofy names, like Justin April's not. No, no, that's that's pretty vanilla. Yeah, yeah. But, but Hulesbeck and Wong, yeah, yeah. Hulesbeck's just wild to try to explain how to spell. Oh yeah, yeah. Nobody seems to get it, even though it's a super easy name to spell. It sounds exactly like it. Yeah, reads. it's like it's Huel like fuel. Yeah, because if you can spell fuel, you can spell her last name, yeah. and if you can say fuel. You can say it. We've got a friend who still to this day howls back, <laughs> cannot properly print. Like he still to this day calls her Hulsbeck, and I'm like, he can say the word fuel. Yeah, I have heard him say fuel on a number of occasions, <laughs> but he cannot put the H sound in front of that. Sometimes F. you just get those why. brain hurdles you can't get around. Some of us, we all have those. Yeah, we all have those. It just depends on what it is. So. Um, I'll get to. I'll get back to some of the some of the service from yesterday in a little bit, but, um, because we're in the Christmas season mm-hmm. still, um, and I'm, I'm judging that by the fact that my Christmas tree is still up and yep. I haven't made any effort to pack anything up. Um, let's talk about the Virgin Mary, man. Okay. Uh, well, let's, let's say a word about Christmas too, because Christmas starts on December 25th. Okay. Technically December 24th at sundown. Yeah. But it starts on the 25th. And runs through the 6th. Christmas ends when Mardi Gras starts. Yeah. Like the Mardi Gras season technically starts on the season, on the Epiphany. So the 12 days of Christmas Mm -hmm. are the 12 days 
after Christmas Eve. All right. But, you know, everybody thinks it's the 12 days that run up to Christmas. It's the that's hype how, up. That's, that's, how, that's how ABC runs their specials. Sure. The 12 days of Christmas before Christmas. Yeah. And then they just flip over to Valentine's. But, yeah, for the church calendar, Christmas runs out through January 6th. Well, good. I will leave my tree up at least till then. Oh, yeah. Look, um, this is the first year that Katie and I have been married that we took the tree down before January 6th. Yeah, because you have to. No, we don't have to. She just likes having a tree. Like, Katie would have that thing up from... No, I meant, like, since you're moving, you got to... Oh, yeah, we had to this time. Yeah, yeah. That was not a choice. No, I love... Dude, I love having Christmas decorations up. Like, we... Our tree... Like, everybody's tree is all... Usually, unless they're just super basic, uh, a collection of stuff, a collection of ornaments that mean something or meant something at a certain time that... They just keep making their way back onto the tree. Like mm-hmm. for ours, each family member gets a bird on the tree that lives in the house. Um, so yeah, you ha- we have a uh, instead of a star, we have this crazy Russian-looking lightning rod thing. And then um, there's a bird on the left for me, and there's a bird on the white right for the wife. Um, and so now is, is that something that came from your family or her family? Or? My family. Okay. Most of most of our weird quirks when it comes to I say weird because I'm from the north, like just about Canada north, like mm-hmm. it's some of the, I don't know where a lot of this stuff came from. Uh but yeah, mom said she'd always had a bird on the tree, so we've got a bird on the got two birds on the tree and yeah. It's uh one year I bought her a bird that every time you walk by, it would whistle at you very annoyingly. And then I would think so. Yeah. And then Christmas Day, my present was to hide it somewhere in their house <laughs> where they wouldn't couldn't figure out where it was, but it would just go off. It every would now just and whistle. Again. Yeah. yeah. Um, they have since found it. OK. Because I was looking for it. La- I was looking for it last week um, and I opened the closet that I had stuffed it in and wedged it between some blankets. And uh, it, it, it had either disintegrated or. It had been found, which mm. mom later told me it had been found. Okay. Um, you guys got anything wild on the tree? <sighs> Nothing that I, I would really wild. call wild. Probably the uh, the the thing that still goes on the tree that is kind of peculiar to me is we have this, uh, you know the, have you ever been down to Pensacola Beach? Mm-hmm. So you know the big light up sign that like when you're coming yeah, on yeah, to Pensacola yeah. Beach that has the big sailfish? fish on it, yeah. Yeah, so we have a miniature replica of that. Oh, wow. That used to hook up to our lights Mm -hmm. and it would light up like it looked exactly like that sign well the problem is is we've gone to leds on the christmas tree and when you plug it into the led voltage it's not enough voltage and so it doesn't light up but we still put it on the tree because we love that thing yeah and you know that's what we're gonna do just get a separate power cord for it (sighs) that that'd be complicated and i don't think about things like that until like we're at Christmas. Yeah. So I'm kind of a tech nerd. So all of our Christmas lights are um, hooked up to Alexa. So you come in the house and say, start a Christmas party. And then some lights go to red. Some lights go to green. Mm. Um, Christmas and Hollis starts playing. Nice. The there's We've got greenery around our fireplace. That lights up. And then the Christmas tree turns on. And uh, yeah, it's instant. Instant fun. Instant Christmas party. Yeah. Or you just turn on Christmas vibes and it won't play any music. Yeah. I got rid of the Alexa that somebody gave us. Why? Are you just paranoid? 
it wasn't it wasn't so much paranoia it was the annoyance oh yeah of you know every time i say something alexa's like i can help you with that talking to me um i i really don't need you to help me with that and you know also just don't need y'all listening um so that and the day that uh, the day we decided to unhook it was the day that our kids accidentally ordered like 500 popsicles oh right from amazon um you know just those flavor rice i don't think that was an accident it, it wasn't an accident. They were talking about popsicles and Alexa pops up and says, would you like to order popsicles? And they said, yes. Well, of course. Yeah. And so then, you know, some kind of conversation. We'll ensues. Save mom and dad some time. Yes. Some kind of conversation <laughs> ensues. And the next thing you know, they come running into the kitchen and tell Katie, mommy, mommy, we accidentally ordered 500 popsicles. Uh-oh. Like they didn't realize that they were actually ordering something that we oh, would wind up game. paying for. They thought it was just like, yeah, a game. Yeah, they have a like an escape room game that you can install yeah. where you just, it just gives you scenarios and you got to figure out what it's. It's a real pain, actually. Yeah, I'm and, I'm good. Um, I'm good. They come in handy. I don't like the Alexa. I don't need. I don't need any. I I don't even particularly like the the Siri function on my phone. I don't use it much. I'll use it. To call people if and to text if I'm driving. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Outside or, of that, no, I don't, I don't need you. I don't need to ask. Like if I want to Google something, I can just Google it. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I can just search it myself. I yeah. Don't I don't use it for you. anything too complicated. Mm-hmm. Usually it's just our house is all silly too. Like if you walk in the back of the house, the light for the kitchen, which is one of the first rooms you get into is on the other side of the room that you walk mm. into. Same thing with our hall light. Like we've got a hall light or a hallway that spans from our kitchen to our, the master bedroom. And the light is on the master bedroom end and not the kitchen end where you walk in the back of the house. Yeah. Um, it comes in handy for that stuff. Counterintuitive light switches. Yeah. It's so silly, but those drive me nuts. I don't understand why the driveway goes to the back of the house. Right. And then all the light switches are as far as possible away. My guess is that the driveway was an addition. Yes. And so the house was designed for front entry. Yep, probably. So, you know, I mean, that's that's usually the case with things like yeah. that. Yeah, we've got like our garage is added on and there's a couple, you can tell there's a couple of spots that were not OG to the, yeah. the property. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just. Our bathroom was added on. I can't believe, house. I just don't understand the contractor that's going to be like, oh, I'll, I'll do this, but I'm going to put this in a real pain in the ass location. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Sometimes you do what the, uh, what the you know, owners yeah, you're tell trying, you to. Trying to get paid and go that's home. That's right. That's right. Um, so, speaking of complicated things. Yeah. And Christmas. Yeah. Virgin Mary. Yeah. Right? What's up with that? Oh, uh, well, you know, that's Jesus' mother. If, sure. But if, Listen. If my mom came to my dad and was like, and I'm not comparing myself to Jesus in any way. Right. I got the beard, but like outside of that, it's pretty. Yeah. Everything's everything's still pretty normal to Justin. Um, yeah. Mom came to dad and was like, guess what? We're having a kid. And he's like, what? We haven't even yeah. gotten that far in We've our relationship We've not consummated yet. this marriage yet. Uh, I'm sure he would have been concerned and a little doubtful with her explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's up? Joseph was just like, okay. Yeah. Okay, boo. Well, but <laughs> you know, in, in the narrative, Joseph had planned to dismiss her quietly, like not to bring shame on her, sure, 
but he had said, you know, I'm just going to, we're going to terminate this engagement mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a scandal of it. I'm not going to put her out. Sure. Uh, but an angel comes to Joseph as well and says, Hey dude, you, you need to stick this out. Was the angel male or female? Um, I don't well, I guess think it was specific. Yeah. I don't think they really, I think they're like Barbie dolls once they go up. How's that work? I mean, that's, that's certainly, that's certainly how they, uh, how they frame it in the movie dogma. But yeah, you know, I, I think probably genderless angel. Yeah. You know, um, I like don't, David Bowie. Yeah. I don't really worry <laughs> about that. Like, you know, if, if the angel looks like David Bowie, fine. If it, you know, if it looks like, you know, if it looked like Tormund Giants Bane, yeah. fine. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not hung up on that detail. But I'm, if you think about that story though, you know, we've sanitized that story so much. Sure. And we make it seem so quaint and quiet and, you know, all these things. And almost seamless. Like it just, all right, this is what's happening. It just was the calm seas all the way through the scenario. Yeah, but if you think about it, it's a major disruption in everybody's life. Uh Like, you know, here you have Mary and she's announced that, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And by the way, you're going to have an illegitimate child out of wedlock. But... But here's the thing, that child is going to be special. Yes. Right? And then Joseph, who's planning to just like terminate the engagement so mm-hmm. that he doesn't have to raise somebody else's kid, Joseph gets visited by the divine, and the divine says, look, I need you in for this one. And Joseph's like, all right, I'm in. And so there's power in that story in that it's not how things usually went. Yeah. But there's also power in understanding that, you know, Divine conception was not a outlandish concept sure. in the culture, right? You've got all the the Greek demigods who all were conceived by, you know, part God, mm-hmm. part human. The difference in that is that it's not just the spirit of the divine that comes to, you know, the mother of Hercules. Mm-hmm. It's an actual physical presence of... God that does actually have sex with her. Yeah. And then she conceives this child. Right. And and in the in the story in Luke and Matthew's gospel, it's a little bit different. And so it's not it's close enough to the culture for them to not be completely taken aback, but it's also far enough away to create some space and some distinction. Yeah. You know, and so the Virgin Mary, you know, who we have decided was, you know, an actual physical virgin, depending on your, you know, theology and religious definition. You know, some people think she was a virgin till the day she died. Like she was always a virgin. Okay. Which is possible, but Jesus also had siblings. Sure. So either Joseph had multiple wives, which is entirely possible, Mm -hmm. or it is possible that Mary had other children. Why, um... In the New Testament, the beginning of Matthew, mm-hmm. all the begats, all right. the all the family tree lineage. Why didn't that continue? Like, how come we have so much detail on the beginning, but we don't have that same attention to detail when it comes to Jesus's family tree? In large part because that's not important to the author of Matthew. Sure, what's important to the author of Matthew and to the audience of Matthew, because Matthew's written to a predominantly Jewish audience. Uh, yeah is the lineage of Jesus and how you can trace Jesus back to the line of David. Gotcha. Which is funny because they trace Jesus back to the line of David through his father, who wasn't technically his father. Oh, yeah. So they trace it back through Joseph, 
you know, which is fine. But, yeah. Um, so Matthew's not concerned with the family tree after. Neither is Luke, neither is John, neither is Mark. You know, there's not much out there that is concerned with the family tree after that. Hmm. So. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, if your story is not about, like, what Jesus did as a child, like, what his favorite toys were. No. Like, there's a lot of... No. Um, I'll... St- not gaps in information necessarily. Gaps in information that only I want to know. Yeah, well, like, there's, but there's gaps in information in every story. Sure. But your curiosity about the gaps, you know, you can fill some of that in with, you know, material that's extra canonical. Mm-hmm. But by that, I mean, like, there are lots of texts that we've since discovered that did not get included in what we know as the Bible. Yeah. Or in what the Roman Catholic Church, you know, acknowledges as the Bible. It's... It's books that didn't make it in. There's gospels from all kinds of sources that have all kinds of other information. Joseph Smith, maybe not. I, that's that that <laughs> maybe I not in count your world. That as a, yeah, I wouldn't count that as a text that we've discovered um, because that never really made the dent in the kind of you know monolith of of Catholicism. But there are things that we dis, that we've discovered. You know, the Dead Sea Scrolls were a great example of that. Mm-hmm. People were all upset about that because, you know, this was going to be a, this was going to shake people's faiths because, you know, there was new information. Well, yeah, that's, that's what new information does, but it also gives you a clearer picture of what you thought you already knew. Yeah. You know, more information I don't think is ever a harmful thing. No. You know, if we found out that Jesus was kind of a jerk when he was 12, that, that kind of, that kind of, yeah, that kind of fit because yeah. I was humanizes you know, them. I assume you were um, still working on some of that, <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all? Um, but so you know the the so the story of the Virgin Mary too. If you look at it, you know we tend to think of this as solidifying the the idea of the traditional nuclear family, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't. You know, you've got a woman who has a child out of wedlock. You've got a foster father. You know, that's not your typical family. No. So, Usually they all have the same last name, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not it's not well, a nowadays. big deal. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And Jesus spends a lot of time around a whole lot of family members and, and gets lost in the temple in Jerusalem when he's like 12 years old. Except he wasn't really tables? lost. Is that when he's blood? No, no, no. That's not when he's flipping tables. That's when he's sitting and talking with the... Um, the leaders of the temple, when his parents go up to Jerusalem for the festival, mm-hmm. which they did every year, and then like they they travel like a whole day, and then realize like, oh, Jesus isn't with us. We <laughs> thought he was over there in you know in cousin Fred's you know caravan or like sure. walking with them. He's not in the camp at all. Mm-hmm. We must have left him in Jerusalem. We're going to go back and get him. And they go back and they get him and they find him. And he's like, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Because he was sitting with the leaders of the temple and and talking with them and asking them questions and soaking it up and teaching them and so you know it's a it's a weird family unit yeah um, and I feel like if I was a sibling I'd be real annoyed with them like, I can imagine you mom's would be. always like why can't you be a little bit more like your brother no I don't know because <laughs> you know now remember one of the reasons that we know that Jesus had brothers and sisters is because they try to come and get him. To make him stop doing the things he's doing, mm-hmm. like this all all this teaching and you know prophesying and Messiah being 
And his family comes to him and they're like, dude, you're putting a target on your back. Knock man. it off. Yeah. You know, why don't you just come home with us and stop all this? Right. So I don't think that his brothers and sisters were like, God, I wish mom would stop going on about Jesus. Now, after he died and rose again, they're probably, probably real annoyed. Probably they were like, oh, I thought we got rid of Lord. <laughs> this dude again. Yeah. Three days. This what we got was three yeah. days without yeah. him. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that conversation would have been like. But I can imagine that, you know, his siblings weren't thrilled with his ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, as I wouldn't be if, you know, one of my siblings, you know, started doing that. Um, and, you know, but it is what it is. And he's, you know, he is a part of a family and a larger family than than we probably like to think about. Sure. Plus, so, I mean... Nobody hears about, and in traditional, especially during Christmas time, nobody's rattling on about Jesus' siblings. Mm-mm. Hardly no. ever. No, nobody's um, like, and his oldest brother James was, yeah, you know, because he wasn't born yet. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe he was. Maybe maybe Jesus wasn't Joseph's firstborn son. Maybe James was actually older than Jesus. Could be. Could be. The book of James is is reportedly written by... Um, the brother of Jesus, the eldest brother of Jesus, who became the first bishop of Jerusalem. Hmm. So that's the book of James that we know in the Bible. Learn something new every day. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll ease on into Jesus' uh, demise. That sounds crazy. Uh, and that's why he came. So Yeah. So, what, 32, 33 years run by in Jesus' life before he... Well, there's some detail from his childhood that we get from the Gospels. Like, you know, in Matthew's Gospel, it talks about, you know, Herod trying to kill all the babies. And Mm -hmm. so Joseph and his, you know, bride and his newborn uh, or the newborn child flee to Egypt. And then they come back around the time when he's eight. Um, And then you get that story about um, him in the temple in Luke's Gospel. So that's, you know, you, you see some glimpses of... You know, there was a childhood, and these things took place. And in Matthew's gospel, it's to fulfill prophecies. Um, in Luke's gospel, it's kind of to illustrate how, you know, how early we realized that he was something different, something yeah. special. And so, you know, you get that, but then the detail kind of drops off until the baptism um, in the River Jordan by John, and all four gospels include an account of that. So that's the first big event that, like, everybody, everybody agrees on. Yeah. And agrees, oh, hey, this was significant. Mm-hmm. Because that's the moment when it marks the beginning of his public ministry. Gotcha. You know, And so from there on, you get all these miracles and healings and teachings mm-hmm. and everything else. But um, up until then, kind of quiet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nobody's, nobody's a superstar out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Takes some work. Yeah. Um, or maybe it just took him a long time to come to grips with... Like who he was. They just need a Facebook and Instagram and Twitter back then. That would that would have spread like wildfire. It would have. <laughs> um, so Jesus comes, is crucified. Three days later, kicks the rock out of the way mm-hmm. and goes strolling the world. Um, maybe not the world, depending on how Mormon you are. Close by, yeah. Close by, um, the, yeah. The region, we'll call it the region. Yeah. Um, all because people need to get into heaven. Uh, how how did that? How do you think that conversation went when God was like, "Hey, dude, uh, 
I got some got some news for you <laughs> about uh, about your real purpose here. We're going. I'm going to have you tortured and strung up on some boards, but you won't actually die in the normal normal terms of death, and uh, you'll be able to keep the rest of the world from uh, an eternal death and struggle and yada yada yada. How do you how do you think you took that? I think one of the best takes on that is actually um, from the movie Dogma. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you've seen that, I but you know, we've already Kevin referenced Smith. that once. Yeah, Chris Kevin Rock. Smith. Well, and Alan Rickman plays the voice of God. Mm-hmm. He plays this angel yeah. that is the voice of God, and he describes this interaction between he and Jesus when Jesus is about 12 year old when he explains what's going to happen Mm -hmm. and says it took him 18 years to come to grips with that. And he's talking to the heroine of the movie and he said, and we're asking you to come to grips with something less, Mm -hmm. but I still recognize that it's hard. I still recognize that this is a challenge. And so, you know, I, I mean, I don't think that, I don't imagine that Jesus knew his whole life that, yes, this is what he was going to do. And if you think about it, like in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's still saying, you know, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass from me. Sure. But it doesn't. And got to play the hands you're dealt. You play the hands you're dealt and, and you live into the purpose for which you've come. And so I think that's a, a piece of it. But one of the things I love about that conversation, and I love the way Alan Rickman plays that, um, just a phenomenal actor who we lost before his time. Um, Another shout out for Harry Potter. Yeah. Is is the humanization of that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, because we talk about Jesus being fully human and fully divine. But, but we he's don't, still on a pedestal. Yeah, and we, we don't talk enough about, I think, Jesus' humanity and his frailty that he takes on by being a part of of this world. You know, that's, yeah. that's part of the, the power of the incarnation is that if the word became flesh and dwelt among us, the word became flesh, like we're flesh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, subject to so many of the same frailties and emotions and, and all that. And that's one of the reasons that we think that Jesus was able to redeem all sin is because he had lived as a person. Yeah. And so, you know, he becomes this atoning sacrifice Depending on your theology, if sure. you, you know if you have a if you have an atonement theology that you know means that Jesus had to be punished, I, I don't technically believe that. I don't no. think that Jesus was punished. That was just kind of. I mean, I view that as um, just human nature. Like, well, and and the other thing is that Jesus had a fairly standard execution for his day. It's not like yeah. it's not like they he didn't got go a whole above lot and beyond. Of, no, uh-uh. I mean he got a crown of thorns, but like that's not that's not special, really. Yeah, it was just a little. I mean, I mean, they didn't they didn't make that up on the spot for him. I'm quite sure that there were people who tried to lead insurrections before mm-hmm. that they had said, you know, hey, let's do this. Yeah, because the Roman Empire, if nothing else, was extraordinarily good at being horrifyingly cruel. Yeah. So, oh, you want to be a king? We'll make you a king. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> look, they 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 did not mess around. Yeah. Um, and so you know, you you get Jesus to this point where. You know, he's ready and willing to do this. And, and, you know, I think the conversation was, I I don't know, because I think in, in the divine moment, um, I tend to think of, of, 
God and Jesus and the Spirit sort of outside of our time. And so I don't think of it as a, a human moment the way we would. Yeah, it's not um, like... Although one of the funniest Jesus, takes let me take it, you to Waffle House. I got yeah, something like, I, gotta, <laughs> I got to talk to you about. Let me let me take you out for a nice steak. Yeah. Um, and tell you about this terrible thing that I have Yeah, this project I'm working on. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there was a show, you know, an, an internet sketch thing years ago called Mr. Deity. Okay. Did you ever watch that? I don't think so. Oh my gosh, dude. It has, it has some great funny takes on some things in, you know, in the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's highly irreverent, but you know, it kind of puts this, it kind of puts this perspective on it. Um, and so in the one, you know, God is talking to this person who's interviewing for the role of Jesus and the guy's like, no, you're full and equal partner. There's just, you know, there's this one little, there's this one little catch. Yeah. Some one little catch. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what that conversation would have been like. I know the human side of Jesus struggled with it. And yeah. Rightly so. For sure. But, um, come on, dad. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't just cut the grass for the rest of my life. Couldn't we do this a <laughs> yeah. little bit differently? Not that they had probably lush lawns and his area no no probably not many um that'd be a quick chore for me i'd be like hey mm -hmm. i'll just take over the yard work for the for the rest of my life yeah i'm just gonna weed this little patch of dirt yeah that's what i'm gonna do prune this cactus wait no they don't have cactuses over there i think um yeah and so the purpose of all that was so that the rest of the world could have some sort of future afterlife to look forward to Mm -hmm. um which I have two questions about that. What happens to all the people in the Old Testament? Like if Jesus hasn't come to create the uh, conduit to heaven yet, and what happened to Adam and Eve, and not Adam and Steve? So you remember you remember me talking about that that icon, the harrowing of hell. Yes. Right. So when Jesus ascends from mm-hmm. the broken gates of hell. On one hand, he's pulling Adam, and on the other hand, he's pulling Eve. Yeah. The idea being that all the people throughout time, and again, this is part of the timelessness and being outside of time, of the idea being that Jesus redeemed all of creation throughout time in that moment. Mm -hmm. So all the way back to the first people, Adam and Eve, were redeemed. So all the people in the Old Testament who needed to be redeemed, redeemed. So, let's see. So the process is you were born as, as a non-Jesus, as a person that's not Jesus. You're born probably pretty traditionally. Uh, you live till however long it is before you receive the, the good word. Um, commit yourself or get saved or however you want to word that. I feel like that's, I feel like getting saved and committing yourself are synonymous, but also not. Do you know what I mean? Dramatically different, and yet, you know, kind of the same in spirit. You well because you're you're talking about basically the same decision. Sure, you know, because in in being saved, you are committing yourself. Yeah. The funny thing about that is that you know if you think you have a hand in your own salvation, then you have a very interesting view of what it is that God has done. Now, for you to accept that, that's another thing entirely. Mm -hmm. But you know, you didn't get saved. 
Yeah, you somebody on saved X you. Date, you know, yeah. you you your We're salvation saved. was accomplished on the cross and the grave and the resurrection. That's that's where your salvation is accomplished. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean we know what we're talking about and so we use these words to um to to figure out what it is. Yeah. So yeah, you make that decision that you know you're going to accept your salvation and then yeah. And then you just keep on moving and then and there we go. Hopefully hopefully you're re- referring back to the scripture to figure mm-hmm. out the best way to live your life and then your number gets pulled and you die. Mhm. Now, God's given us free will Mm -hmm. to do whatever we want here on earth. Mm -hmm. Does that mean once we leave the terrestrial form, we only have two options and we lose our free will? Or do I have the option, and I might have brought this up on the first one, I can't remember. Can I haunt places? I I think we did talk about that a little bit. Um, I don't so much believe in haunting in large part because yeah, I don't think gosh. God loses people. Sure. Um, but again, that's, you know, that's my theology. There, there's certainly, there's certainly plenty of things out there that make me think that, look, there are lots of buildings that I'll walk by and I'm like, that place is haunted. See, I think haunting, I think that it's just a, a rude term for it. Like it, it casts all potential paranormal spirits into a bad light out of the gate. It's just mm-hmm. bad, bad PR for the ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the silliest conversation I'll probably have today. But also, like, kind of... I feel like this needs to be asked for a bunch of reasons. Um, what if... And I'm just spitballing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a doctorate or any credentials in the Christian world other than I went to confirmation at Lafayette Street. Back there you in, go. Like, 1993. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, what if angels and spirits and ghosts are all synonymous? I mean, yeah, there's some ghosts that I've seen ghosts. They just want you to make vases and kick stuff in the subway. But I feel like there's a lot of, uh, and I also know a bunch of strangely spiritual people that are like, you have good energy here because you're doing this and over here. And that could just be a different translation of what the Lord's doing. Yeah. Or it could be mescaline induced. I don't know. There's a lot that we don't understand. And I think, you know, having a level of comfort with what we don't know. That's where the faith comes in. Is is part of, it's partly where the faith comes in, but it's also a part of where the mystery comes in. Yeah. Right? Like if, if there's no mystery... And, you know, there's an answer for everything that you can, you know, make up out of what you read in the Bible. Sure. Then what's the point? Yeah. You know, I, I like the mystery. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the things about our services. I really like the mystery of what we do because we're claiming, you know, to be a part of, you know, that original meal that Jesus broke with the disciples in the upper room. Mm-hmm. You know, now are we physically transported no but no. metaphysically we think that we are part of that that moment when we do communion um and you know do, do i think it's impossible for you know angels and ghosts and spirits of of all variety to exist no i don't think it's impossible um isn't there and now i've picked this up i forget where probably I don't know, some church with snakes in it. Um, 
isn't there a constant angelic and demonic war going on all around us at all times? Or maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, I mean, we, we always kind of conceive of that as like, you know, something out of Constantine or the matrix. Yeah, or, Game of Thrones. Know, yeah. Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. I need some giants. Yeah. Some. Like when they're, when they're assaulting the wall. Yeah. yeah. We, we think of it in those terms and, and that's not, that's not probably the best representation <laughs> of what the scripture yeah. says. Sure. You know, like, and the scriptures, one of the things that the scriptures say in, in the revelation to John about that final battle is that it's it's won by the power of the lamb, mm-hmm. right? And what's the power of the lamb? It's the power of the lamb is, is self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you know, you don't think of a, when you think about a lamb in battle, like I would take odds on the lion every yeah. time. I'll take odds on a goat sure. over a lamb. But the battle is won and victory is accomplished by the power of the Lamb. The, the power innocence. of the Lamb is self-sacrifice yeah. and, and the undoing, the upside-down nature of the power that the kingdom of heaven brings. Yeah. So you know, maybe there is an angelic and demonic war going on all around us, but I think that's more of a sensationalized take than than it is anything else. Yeah. I mean, you know, now, does it make for great fiction? For sure. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know... Um, you know, there's what a reason that, Const- that movie Constantine. Yeah, with uh, with Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. Yeah, yeah, where he's he's not he's not a particularly like good savior figure. Sure, but it works. Yeah, you know, and then you know you've got movies like uh, what was the one with Gabriel Byrne, um, where he's the devil. You get all kinds of things like this, and and it makes for great TV. Yeah, but you know, I don't know that. I don't know that it makes for good theology. Um, this isn't on the the board of potential questions. What about? Do you think? Uh, do you think using a lot of these terrifying Bible entities for horror movies is a great idea? Like stigmata, or, which that's not really an entity. That's that's just this thing. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, I, I don't like think there's anything... The Right was good. The Right was a really good horror movie that was based on, like, yeah. demonic horses or something. I don't think there's anything terribly wrong with doing that. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's super helpful? Not necessarily. Probably not. But, you know, do I think... Because what's the point of the movie Stigmata? Like, I haven't seen The Right, so I don't know. But the point of the movie Stigmata was that this rosary, that this deeply prayerful um, monk who knew a lot about you know, certain things in the church, another Gabriel Byrne joint, by the way, um, you know, but that, that the rosary that he prayed on infused some of his spirit and enough mm-hmm. of his spirit that this girl, Could, you know, who had no faith yeah, begins to exhibit these signs of something that a very faithful person had experienced in their life. Sure. I don't know that, you know, that that's impossible. The The tokens of faith that we use, I mean, there's a reason that people cherish ancient Bibles or ancient relics is because there is some spiritual sense and power in those ancient things. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's why we go to sacred sites in every religion. Yeah. You know, every faith around the world has these things where people hold places and 
objects and things like that dear because, you know, they convey a sense of deep mystery and, and wonder. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of the genre oh, sure. sometimes. Sometimes it's done really well. Sometimes it's just, yeah, you know. Um, the Omen was terrifying. But then again, I watched it when I was like yeah. 10. So, yeah, it was going to be terrifying. Sure. You know, Rosemary's Baby was less terrifying because I watched it when I was in college. And I was like. Yeah, right. You know. What about The Exorcist? you ever see that as a young child? I did not see The Exorcist as a young child. I saw The Exorcist 3 as a teenager and oh, it man, scared silly. the daylights out of me. But We're I realized. Walking around down the stairs back like on their hands. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. I realized. Here's the thing I realized though. What scared me the most about some of that was not the images on the screen. It was the full sensory experience. The possibility. That right. That... So like you're sitting there and the music's going and yeah. you're like, oh, the music's playing. Something's going to happen. And then all of a sudden you'd get paired with a sharp audio experience and a sharp visual experience mm. of something largely unnatural. And so it becomes this fully terrifying experience. Yeah. If you watch life. Jaws on mute, it's not That's, that scary. No. You know, if you watch The Omen or The Exorcist or any of those movies on mute, like if you pull the if you pull the or- orchestration out, mm-hmm. not that scary. No. You, you take that cello out of Jaws, it's just a shark. Yeah. Big fish. Yeah, big fish. Um that they get in the end. Yeah. But man, you hear that uh, Yeah, you start paddling and faster. You just you just like your body begins to tense up because you know something's about to happen. Yeah, not only that, but when you start increasing that tempo too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That subconsciously your anxiety starts getting ramped mm-hmm. up and you're like, we got to do this. This alarm's about to go off. Mm-hmm. Or the bomb's go to, about to go off. Or the yeah. shark's clipping at my heels. Yeah. Better get like a CO2 can or an oxygen tank in this yeah. thing's mouth quick. Yeah. Um, and happen to have a rifle. Yeah. It's, that you can be on a sinking ship. And shoot accurately into that canister. Ah, uh, yeah. There's. We're picking apart the Bible today. We're not picking apart Jaws. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, yeah. So, um, back to your service yesterday. You guys do communion at every service. Every Sunday. Um, every Sunday that there's a priest there. So there may be a Sunday or two coming up where they'll do morning prayer, which is you know mm-hmm. based on the old monastic rite. Okay. Um, and they won't do communion. In fact, before in 79, we usually only did communion like once a month. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's how it is in the Methodist church. Yeah, yeah. And so, Baptist church. Yeah. But we used to do that too. The theology of the 79 prayer book, the revision of the prayer book then, really put an emphasis on the importance of Eucharist, the importance mm-hmm. of that Thanksgiving meal. Um, Eucharist means Thanksgiving, and it's it's what we call Holy Communion. So, yeah, we do that every Sunday. Yeah. Um, the only Sundays that we haven't done it in the time that I've been here is when I've been out of town and couldn't get um, another priest to come in or mm-hmm. during the pandemic. So, you know, we went three months without yeah. doing that, um, um, which was super weird for me. Yeah, and it's a lot different now than what it was yeah. a year ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, if I look out and I see 60 people in that congregation now, I'm like, whew, so. That's a lot of people in yeah, this we're space. Fire, fire, yeah, you know, fire dudes. I, come I think shut us I down. think some of y'all some of y'all need to spread out a little bit. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, a year ago, like if I looked out there and I only saw 120 people, I'm like, it's kind of a thin Sunday. Yeah. 
but now How it's many, different. What's the capacity of the chapel? Um, between the downstairs and the balcony and the chapel where mm-hmm. you were sitting, we yeah. can fit a little over, we can fit right at about 350 in there. Good Lord. That's, yeah. that's a lot of folks. It is. So like, you know, we've had Easter Sundays where, mm-hmm. you know, that Easter Sunday, the first time that y'all were there, um, for that Easter Sunday, I think our recorded attendance was 325. Yeah. But we didn't have hardly anybody sitting over in the chapel. Um, yeah, you could still fit another like thirty folks over there. Yeah, if we really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, it's such a beautiful space between like just the the handcrafted wood chairs and everything that goes into all mm-hmm. the the decor and the the craftsmanship that goes into that entire spot. Um, and I feel like that's definitely an important aspect of a successful uh, religious place. Um. I don't think, I mean, there the are churches. The aesthetic of a space makes a difference. Yeah. It pulls you out of the normal, like mm-hmm. this is a strip mall, which your church isn't a strip mall, but there are plenty that are in old sure, retired malls sure. or like old JC Penney building, or we've all seen well, uh, and it's, righteous it's, gemstones. Yeah. It's, it's what you're, it's what you're going for, right? Yeah. Like if, if the aesthetic you're going for is, you know, old movie theater where now, you know, you hold worship services. Mm-hmm. Rock on. That's sure. not the aesthetic that nativity goes for. The aesthetic that nativity goes for is that, you know, if you are, you know, if you are at all familiar with Western European culture and you want to go into a church, mm-hmm. you walk into that building and you feel like you're in a church. Yeah. Is like that there's no mistaking it for a nightclub or yeah. anything else. Yeah, you guys don't have a bunch of YouTube bands up mm-hmm. there like No trying to make big sounds and you're not going to mistake it for a concert venue yeah. or anything else because it's not it's it is aesthetically and architecturally designed to look and feel like a traditional western european church is that pretty um pretty common throughout all the episcopalian yes properties? Um, there's there's you know you'll get some newer builds like the church that i'm going to i think was built in the 50s mm-hmm. Um, and it has a very different feel to it. It's it's much more kind of industrial um, feel to it. Yeah. But um, but it's still a beautiful space. It's just different. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that's part of why we have that place designed like it is, is because the idea is that we want it to feel like church. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that on on a normal Christmas or Easter service. Um, as well as a couple other times during the year, we'd use incense because mm-hmm. you come into this space, it's supposed to be different from the world. Yeah. It's supposed to look and feel and smell different than the world does. Yeah. You know, our first thought isn't your comfort, it is the the worship space itself. Yeah. You know, you go into a lot of places and, you know, there's a lot of thought given to your comfort. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of thought given to you know, the quality of the sound system, the lights and things like that rock on for them. That's sure. That's not the aesthetic we go for. Yeah. We, we go for, we go for traditional church. And that's the, I mean, for me, like that's, it just seems more respectful that way. Not that there's anything wrong with the, Mm-mm. like a contemporary type mm-hmm. vibe or it, it, it works for energy. you better. And look, it works for me better. You yeah. Know, I can worship in a place that is, you know, not like that. But if I'm picking my preference, I like a place that feels and looks and smells and sounds like a church building. Yeah, I don't. I also don't want to leave a service exhausted. 
You know what I mean? Like if if you're on your feet and it's like um, one of those huge youth rallies, yeah, and it's just concert after concert, and then yeah. some dude in like cut off jeans comes out and tries to connect with you, yeah, skinny jeans now. It's skinny yeah, yeah, jeans, yeah, yeah, skinny jeans and expensive sneakers. Oh yeah, yeah, I can imagine that for yeah. sure. That's, yeah, and well, in the nineties, was some dude with a goatee. Oh yeah, always a dude yeah. with a goatee. Um, yeah, dad jeans. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Yeah, but yeah, they come out and they're like, "Man, I was just like you, live going through middle school, all yeah. awkward and stuff." And you're like, "Yeah, you're still all awkward and stuff." <laughs> like, how are we going to connect with this dude? But you get wrapped up in that like whole singing to the ceiling mm-hmm. and just like giving it, just giving a hell in the church service. Yeah, which is a weird way to put it, but. It's like you leave there and you feel different, but it's all just, uh, I don't know. Like it's, it's just all from that intense experience. Like it's not, it's, it's a lot of adrenaline, um, where when I leave a service at your church, it's more calmed. It's a lot more like, it feels like a, um, recalibration yeah, rather than like, Shaking a coca can a can of coke up and yeah. then spraying it all over the world. Yeah. Well, and it's it's a different. It, it's set up to be different. Yeah. It serves that. a different purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And there are people who absolutely want to go to the hype you up. Yeah. You know, I look. I I like a good. I like a good hype service mm-hmm. as much as anybody else. I really do. You know, like if I've been to a couple of of revival type things. Awesome. Amazing. Is that what I need every week? No. No, I mean, it would would absolutely be exhausting, I would think. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it depends on your preference. My preference is, is what we do, but yeah, you know, like every now and then, every now and then, I like to hear a preacher that'll just, you know, light them up, light them up, and get people going, and you know, get the congregation into it. But that's that's not what we do on a Sunday to Sunday basis. No, I've also noticed in your services, there's never any hellfire brimstone guilt preaching where you're basically just calling out your congregation mm-hmm. without calling them out individually. So I thought about opening my sermon talking <laughs> about this tape that I heard back when we were listening to tapes in the good of, old days of a preacher who had a drinking problem and they finally like tape recorded him on an Easter morning. Oh, and he started calling people out like by name, you know, Oh wow. Um, you know, starts out with something, some kind of statement like, you know, it's good to see all of you here this morning. Where in the hell have you been? And just <laughs> like it goes downhill from there. Oh, he wow. starts talking to this woman in the front row who's been teaching Sunday school and he's not happy with how. And I thought about telling him about that, but then I also thought, no, because there's some people out here that'll be afraid I'm going to call them out for something. They might get up and go and I'm yeah. not going to do that. Not my gig. It's not my gig. No. Um, as fun as it would be, mm-hmm. that's what we need. We need a good old fashioned congregation roast. <laughs> we'll just elect a different member of the congregation and we could, we'll get them to, we could try that. to it. We could try that. I think it'd be fun, man. We can get, um, it'd be interesting. Jonas Forrester up there. I think Jonas would be a good sport about it. Oh, Jonas would always be a good sport about it. Uh, that's about, dude, that's since I've been involved with your church. The first time I got involved was, uh, I don't know if it was Tony Frith. Oh, Lord, who was it? Somebody called me. Oh, it was Natalie. Mm. 
Natalie Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys were doing Taste of the Crew the yeah. first, was it the first year? The that was at the church? second or third year of Mardi Gras. Yeah. But it was probably the first year that it was at the church. Yeah. And the judges were me, yeah. the mayor, and Evan Chikvera from WTVY. Yeah, that's The weatherman. Right. And um, for me at the time, I was just sitting there baffled. I was like, what am I doing in the room with these dudes? Like, these dudes have real... <laughs> Real careers, and I'm over here. Yeah, I'm over here just like goofing off and having the best time all the time. Um, But through that experience and through every other instance of being over at the church, like everybody is genuinely excited that you're there. Um, And maybe it's because they don't know me (laughs) all that well. But no, everybody is super welcoming. Like, and I don't know if you've added to that um that vibe or if that's if it was like that before you got there but i haven't been there i was never there before you i think some of it is about creating a permission structure Mm -hmm. you know the people in most congregations really want to be generous and welcoming and loving for sure but you've got that little bit of hesitance you know because you're worried about you know whether or not you're going to introduce yourself to somebody and they'll tell you that they've been a member there for 20 years. Sure. Right? I worry about that, too. I've, I've done that before. Like, I've seen somebody on Christmas Eve and welcomed them to yeah. the congregation, and they've told me, well, I've been a member here for 20 years, and what I wanted to say was, well, I've been here for six. Yeah, and I've never seen you. And I've never seen you. And I, I don't always remember faces, but I feel like I would have remembered yours. Yeah. But you don't say that, because that's not kind that's not welcoming no. it's not it's not you don't want to alienate well and it's not a faithful to thing to say you, just, you know and so one of the things about that is teaching congregation you know you don't have to say you know are you new here you can say i don't think we've met yeah thank you for being here let me introduce myself sure you know oh we have met before you're right it's, you know it's just thinking about that conversation and creating permission structures for people to be welcoming and figure out how to do that without appearing possibly maybe rude because we really don't like to appear rude no generally no um we'll wrap it up because i think our ladies just got back Mm -hmm. from whatever it was they were up to um one of the things you mentioned yesterday was to be glorious and whatever comes next yeah and i feel like that's very fitting for both your congregation your family and I mean, even me after doing these three sit down and, and dig in sessions, um, I just feel like that's great advice. Um, what does, what does that statement mean to you? What, like, where did that come from? And, uh, for me, it, I'll, I'll start if you want. Like yeah. for me, it was like, you're here and you're this. There's always more and there's always better. Um, and that needs to come internally. Like that needs to be, you need to be self-inspired. I did this, um, I did this comparison when I was a Sunday school teacher where you don't want to be a match. You want to be a lighter. A match is that kid that comes home from church camp that just got saved and is like, I'm doing everything for Jesus. And three yeah. weeks later, he's just back to normal. Burnt. Um, yeah. And he doesn't restart. You, yeah. you can't restart that fire. But with a lighter, you can always spark it back up. Yeah. Um, and to be glorious in whatever comes next kind of is a reaffirmation of it's all, 
whatever you want to accomplish may or may not be possible, but it's more possible if you do it in this manner. Yeah. If that makes sense. The other piece of that for me is that, you know, in every, in everything that we've had that has been hard Mm -hmm. and there's been a lot at nativity over the course of the time that I've been there, that's been hard emotionally, physically, lots of different challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the things that I always try to do is focus on the resurrection, right? Because it's really easy for a group of people in any part of their lives, in any part of the world to focus on the death Mm -hmm. that stares us in the face. Sure. Whether it is a person who we love dying, whether it is, you know, a, something that we've held dear that's come to an end, Mm -hmm. a relationship that ends. It's easy for us to stare into the blackness and the void of that death. Everybody focus on that until we cannot see the glory that God's working. Sure. Nobody likes to be uncertain. No, but here's the thing that we know as Christian people. The thing that we know as Christian people is that Jesus doesn't stay in the ground. Jesus is resurrected. And so if Jesus is resurrected, then we are people of the resurrection. We've been in that death. Mm -hmm. We've been down there. Okay? Where are we going? Yeah. And if we're going to the resurrection, if we are resurrection people, then by God, whatever comes next is going to be more glorious. Sure. If we will commit ourselves to being that. Mm -hmm. You know, if we want to wallow in death, we can wallow all day long. Yeah. But that's not what I want for them. It's not what I want for us. It's not what I want for any of the people that we know and love. And it's usually not what that individual wants. They just want to get back to whatever they deem as normal. Yeah. I feel like we're doing the same thing with the pandemic. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. We are. And and some people want to go back to like pre-pandemic normal, which is never going to happen. No. That's okay. But you can want that. But ground yourself in reality. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because the reality is, you know, you can want as much as you want to go back to pre-pandemic normal next week. It ain't going to happen. No. It ain't going to happen six months from now. It probably won't happen a year from now. This is going to be a long process. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to just magically pop up the way Jesus does after three days. But if we are people of the resurrection, then every day... We step a little more fully yeah. into that life. It's like being a little chick in an egg. Yeah. You swing that beak at it every now and again and chip away at Keep it. Keep whacking. Eventually, you'll you uh, make a big enough hole to get your head out, and then the yep. rest of you will follow. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, we all start in the dark. Yeah. And we've got to work our way out. But, you know, whatever comes, Except that the glory of God is is working and being accomplished in you and all around you, in people that you least expect. Sure. And what you'll find is that the glory of God is powerful and potent and beautiful if you'll just let that work and commit yourself to seeing that instead of focusing on the death. Yeah. Man, that was a, a that was a big piece of that. Yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful way to say it. That's what I do. I'm, they they pay me to make pretty words. That wordsmith. So, <laughs> like Lil Wayne, so you write stuff down. I used to write papers for people in college because I was, you know, a good wordsmith. See, I used to download mine from ThrasherMagazine.com. Mm. They had a, a little spot 
little secret spot. You could just download whatever. It was kind of crazy. I didn't do that. Yeah, I, I was you know, not a great student. Yeah. I wasn't a great student, but I was always a good writer. Yeah. I can so. write pretty well. Uh-oh, it looks like looks like Lila Wong is getting a little antsy over there. Mm, they'll do that. She's been playing practical jokes on me since they got back, making faces and <laughs> dancing in the hallway where only I can see her, I think. There you go. Um, dude, I appreciate you coming in, man. This man, is this awesome. has been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. We'll do it again. For sure. I mean, I assume. Because there's more weird stuff that you'll discover. Oh, thousand percent yeah if there's 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 several weird things i'm sure that you have to ask that you just like haven't asked yet and we'll dig into them we'll see we'll we'll work our way up to the big ones there you go um so yeah where are you off to next so next stop will be trinity church in baton rouge louisiana Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a neat church that's right near the lsu campus like right in the heart of this cool little neighborhood in um in south louisiana which is south louisiana has got a special place in our hearts as a family because my wife and i had our first date there like i grew up going over there from gulfport all the time Mm -hmm. and so you know we've we've always loved that part of the world yeah um i dig the concept of being back in a college town Mm -hmm. um having been in tallahassee and you know i'm excited about that um, well, it gives cool you the things. opportunity for a younger congregation. Well, it does, but it also gives you an opportunity for a lot of different cultural things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I, I could take my kids to a concert performance by the symphony, you know, at the college and then the next day take them to a softball game. Yeah. And then the day after that, you know, take them to, you know, a game for the college world series. Mm-hmm. And then go to the zoo. And, you know, we're excited about those prospects. But, you know, what we're going to miss the most about Dothan is the relationships and the people here. The yeah. people in this town have been wonderful and extraordinary. And we have adored them, which is what made it hard to leave. But yeah, um, we also know that this was the right thing for us. So, Or at least we hope it was. Yeah. So we're going to go try to be glorious over there. It's going to be a fun time, I, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um now, there, after church yesterday, there was talk of a party bus for your first uh, sermon over there. If uh, Well, I hope they don't do it for my first sermon over there, because that'll be January 10th. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we'll still be in pretty full pandemic mode. I want, like, you know, in the fall, when yeah, most, when lots of people have been vaccinated, and mm-hmm. there's, you know, like, LSU-Auburn game, by all means, or, you know, LSU-Alabama, I don't know who they're hosting this year, but... You know, by all means, load up a party bus and come to Baton Rouge and then come to church in the morning after the game. Yeah. So, is there a, um, there a big difference in uh, church size over there or comparable? I mean, it's, or? A, it's a bigger market. And mm-hmm. so the, the churches are, you know, the, the big churches are bigger. Yeah. Um, the small churches are the same. Trinity is a place that's about the size of Nativity now. Mm-hmm. Um, has immense potential for growth. Yeah. So we're really hoping to to get in there and dig in and, and kind of unlock what they've got. Yeah. Um, the way we, I feel like we've tried to do here. So, well, you did a hell of a job here. Yeah. And I, I mean, even still after you leave everything you've taught everybody, everything that you've walked with them through, like your work will continue to work. That's the hope. Yeah. That's the hope. I a hundred percent believe that. It's like they say in uh, it's like Alexander Hamilton says in that, you know, last bit of Hamilton, you know, What's a legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden that you'll never get to see. Sure. So you know, I hope we've I hope we've planted some seeds, and I hope the garden grows, and 
you know, we'll look forward to, to keeping track of it electronically, but, you know, it's time for somebody else to garden it. Yeah. So, well, you always have a, a place to stay if you need one, if you want we'll to come be, back. We, and we may check have to take garden. you up on that. We may have to take you up on that. I mean, apparently my wife and your daughter are still best friends after, uh, what, four years? Three. Three? Three. Yeah. Because kindergarten, first grades, she's in second grade now. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, I don't, I don't think you'll ever separate those two. No, they're thick as thieves. They are. They well, are. dude, thanks for coming in. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. Anytime you want to do this again, just let me know. We'll holler. We'll holler and we'll, we'll figure something out. I'll, I'll buy a microphone on my end and then just, I don't know, upload it to Dropbox or something. Yeah, we'll make it work. Okay. Sounds good, dude. Cool. We all have a good move and I hope everything goes, uh, as, as great as possible. Good deal. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. All right. Later, dude. Bye. If you'd like to be a guest on the Wiregrass Local podcast, give us a shout at wiregrasslocal at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Wiregrass Local or hit us up on Friendster, MySpace, or LiveJournal. That's all fake, but you know what I mean. <laughs>